And now, brought to you by Cliff Graham's Good Battle Chewers, because all other Israel trips are for Ponzi's. www.goodbattletewers.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my partner in radio and my partner in coffee mogulness, Zachary Bartles. Uh, Zach, you are enjoying a cup of Lagaris Roasters Gut Check Espresso, are you not? Enjoying it is definitely the right word, yes. Dude, it's funny. Like, we were talking about the fact that, you know, not only is this is this you know, company Lagaris Roasters in business with us. So there's that. But like, it is actually the best coffee we've ever had. Which is and good luck, right? I mean, it could have been like, your buddy is terrible at making coffee. And right. then we would be stuck selling it. But your friend is actually a freaking genius coffee alchemist, maybe yeah. sorcerer. Yeah, no, he's unbelievable with coffee. And it, I, I think there was a time in the history of this company, Zach, where we would have partnered with anyone who would give us free stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was last week. I, that was last week. That was pre-Lagaris Roasters, but I, I remember those years. And man, it feels good to be in the kind of place where we're partnered with uh, with an incredible yeah. growing coffee uh, coffee company. They are in uh, the hipster grocery store here in town now. Um, they're soon to be taking over uh, for Starbucks, I'm sure. I don't suppose so. there's a couple of actual bags of Gut Check Espresso brand in your local did I ask you that before? Dude, I think there are, actually. I'll have to ask Hector, but I think... Somebody in the area, find one and put a pic on Twitter. Absolutely. I think Hector's got his whole inventory in there. So I think there's a, a, a bag of Gut Check Espresso. There's got to be. So next time I go downtown for, like, hipster-related activities, I'll uh, I'll pop in there and... and <laughs> next time you're in a shoe mogul meeting? Next time I'm in a shoe mogul meeting downtown, or next time I, I go down to a pop-up. <laughs> do, do you, have you learned about this? This hipster activity called the pop-up? Do you know what this what is? What is a pop-up? I hate it already. Oh, I hate it too. The pop-up is when they, like, hipsters descend upon a venue, like an old bombed-out building or, a, like, a downtown pavilion, and they they all sell their, like, overpriced stuff. So it's like a flash market instead of a flash mob. Yeah, it's like a flash market. They they descend upon uh, upon this area, and they, they, they're selling, like, I don't know, lasered pieces of wood or, like, leather <laughs> goods or whatever to one another. So it's a celebration of consumerism under the guise of hating consumerism. Yes, under the guise of, like, God forbid we would rent <laughs> actual, like, retail space. Right. But, it's okay because we're breaking laws right now. <laughs> right. It's a, it's okay because we're just appearing here and, and then leaving after a short time. <laughs> but uh, I don't even know how I got Ah, uh, the pop-up. I, I, I would never go to one of those. Have you ever met um, the rector <laughs> of the Episcopal Church in East Lansing? By the university no, there? No, but is, is the one called People's Church? Is that the place? No, no. That's that's actually a multi-denominational thing. Oh. It's for like people oh. who can't decide which way they want to go. Yeah, no. This one, it's called All Saints. Oh, yeah. Very cool mm-hmm. lady. Her keychain says Redheads because someone has got to be sexy as hell. Nice, dude. <laughs> but she's been known, I believe, to do just that, like pop-up thing. She's very much a hipster, even though she's yeah. like 20 years older than me. And she's been known to do that like with church. Dude, that's incredible. Being an old hipster, by the way, is like, that's okay in a college town. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're in a college town, you get an exemption to be that person. Well, Ted, I mean, you know that's you, right? Yeah. I, You know what? KK and I have had this talk, man, many times about how I'm 
I, I have disdain for hipsters, but yet I'm on the spectrum. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm on the hipster spectrum. So, <laughs> is that insensitive to say? I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> funny, though. Here's the thing. Having disdain for hipsters is like a prereq for being a hipster. It is. No, I know. All this is very real to me, and it's 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 stuff that I'm grappling with internally. <laughs> but you're the best kind of hipster, though. You're the kind who makes me want to be your friend, not the kind who makes me want to like walk up behind you and kick your your heels out from under you and be like, oh, what? Huh? What happened? That's good. I'm glad I'm not that kind. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. That sounds horrible. Oh, Ted, I just thought of something. Um, what, baby? Were we done with that? Have we have we exhausted? Yeah, we're that? done with it. No, we can be done with that. I just remembered something I want to tell you about. Yeah, um, you're going to be very very interested in this. Uh huh. Okay, so you know that uh, the Pontiac Silverdome, the very large sports venue where you shot a movie. I do I do know that that large sports venue and that I spent ten days in it. <laughs> I remember you and I were there. We made some gut check videos and put them on our yeah. Facebook. So I know you know what I'm talking about, right? I do I do know about it. Get this, man. Yeah. So they were supposed to implode the building, uh-huh. destroy it, right? And they tried to do it. Yeah. Like they put all the little bombs in and then they, yeah. you know, step back and there's cameras rolling uh-huh. and then they push down on the like Acme plunger thing yeah. to make the dynamite go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And all these explosions happen like boom 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 all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't it didn't fall down. It didn't implode. I know. Can you believe that, man? I I love it, baby. That's uh, actually fun fact. We had a camera crew there uh, oh. because we wanted we wanted to get footage for the like the end credit sequence of the movie. We thought it'd be really dope to have Glenn, our main character, like uh, a shot kind of over his shoulder as he's sitting on like the hood of his Cadillac watching the Silverdome come down. So um, you had already heard about this. I wasn't giving you any new information. No, I had. I love your enthusiasm, though, and I really do. I, I want you to know I love. I, I just love your spirit in that. Um, and actually, I got texts similar similar to what you just did with me verbally. I got like fifty five texts to that end. One of them, admittedly, was from me, and yeah. you know, I thought I was pretty early in the process, and I was under no illusion that I was giving you new information. No, no. Uh, but even as I did it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be part of a kind of pile on in Ted's uh, inbox here. Yeah. You know what? I felt loved. Uh, <laughs> I I felt loved and cared for is is how I took the text. And uh, even though, like, I was very aware of it and the, the, the owner of the building told us that it was happening. So, um, yeah, we had a drone guy. We had, like, another little camera crew. We had the whole thing in place. But uh, the, the whole thing struck me as very Detroit and very Lions. You know, the Lions being kind of the the NFL's shining example of, of things not going right in your stadium. And um, I see it as like an example of never giving up, never give in, never go down without a fight. Right. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Take. Like a new Detroit kind of renaissance thing. Yeah. So it took like two dynamite sessions to bring us down, you know. Yeah. Not the you not can't the take standard. A, blow me up first try. Yeah, exactly. Not the standard one session that most <laughs> other stadiums succumb to. You know, um, maybe maybe Hans Gruber like couldn't find his detonators <laughs> on some. Bill Clay, <laughs> Clay, Bill, Bill Clay. So, are you going to use the footage then, or what of it not blowing up? Yeah, I mean, we we got some stuff, man. The drone guy took some really beautiful stuff, obviously, just of. 
of the morning and the stadium and the flyovers. And I mean, there's there's definitely stuff we can use. I mean, making a movie. Were you there for the actual successful implosion? No, because that part was a secret. So here's the crazy thing. So everybody came out Sunday. There was a big like VIP reception with a bunch of like old players and stuff from the Lions. It was really cool, you know, really cool kind of event. Everybody came to watch it to watch it go down and then it didn't and you know they got all the bad press and all the media and all the stuff you saw but then like super secretive in the wee hours like monday morning they went out and like redynamited the whole thing and it came down so like oh there was only like one guy out there to get footage of that and it wasn't it hmm. wasn't us so i wonder um, so yeah was that to avoid like a possible second embarrassment or something i think so yeah just <laughs> mitigating against more embarrassment they tried they decided to just do it on the on the down low but um yeah man it's crazy it's uh it's it's crazy and filmmaking at this level like you're just always problem solving like everything is a is a new issue that leads to another thing and it's actually kind of fun you know um i'm kind of glad it, it wasn't the perfect idyllic like guy walking away from an explosion shot that just wouldn't have been appropriate for like what we were doing anyway. So, um, so yeah, man, it was, it was good. And speaking of, uh, speaking of Hans Gruber, um, you know, we, we've got a lot to cover today, but I want to, I want to use Hans Bubby as a segue into uh, a new book that we're working on Zach as a company. And we, you know, sometimes we stray from our roots. Sometimes we, we tend to just, you and I think of ourselves primarily as, as radio stars at this phase of our <laughs> yeah. career personalities. When people ask me what I do, I usually say I'm a radio star and a pastor in that order. Dude, that's it. I have I have business cards that say radio star like really big, <laughs> and then beneath that in small print professor, and then under that cobbler, and then beneath that writer, and then cobbler. Yeah, that's right. But uh, Zach, we are going to get back to the essence and the heart of this company, which is putting out um, hardcover like <laughs> books with real paper in them, and. Um, the book that we're working on now is the Gut Check Definitive Guide to Everything. Um, it's going to be kind of an A to Z guide to all the stuff we talk about on this program. Pop culture, energy drinks, each other, um, <laughs> you know, just everything, everything that we kind of wander through on this program. And um, being that it's the holidays, have you watched your, your annual Christmas viewing of Die Hard yet? Have you guys done that? Not yet. Now. At my house, we're trying to get all the way through the rest of the Marvel movies so we can go see Thor Ragnarok or whatever it is. Dude, can we just can we have a brief conversation about Thor Ragnarok? Let's let's have an excursus on Thor Ragnarok. Let's do an ex- excursus on Thor. So, as you know, well documented, my Chris Hemsworth man crush is a thing. You see, he's my least favorite when it comes to Hollywood's bankable Chris's. I'm a Chris Evans guy myself. Dude, you're a Chris Evans guy. That's fascinating. See, I couldn't pick, I couldn't pick Chris Evans out of a lineup. He's Captain like, America, he, man. I know, but yeah, Captain America does nothing for what? me in, in Come general. Come on, man. Buddy. Dude, it's, it's shocking to me that you like Captain America because to me, he seems like the most boring character in that there's no like dark stuff going on with him. You know what I mean? Thor isn't any dark stuff. Have you seen Captain America Winter Soldier? Probably I saw the first 20 minutes and turned it off because I was bored. Dude, okay, here's the thing. I had similar feelings to you vis-a-vis Captain America. And then I saw that movie in which Captain America is basically like Jason Bourne, only he could easily beat the crap out of Jason Bourne. Interesting. And I was just completely won over. Nice. Like, nice. You know, when you're watching Civil War and you have to decide, are you with Captain America and his guys or with Iron Man and his guys? I was squarely in the Captain America corner. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Civil War, 
Yeah, no, I watched it, but I was super bored by that too. But the so the thing about Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, you're telling me Thor Ragnarok is more interesting and watchable than either of those movies. Yes, I what? am, and and actually, like the first two Thor movies were were also garbage. <laughs> they were also super boring garbage. In the sense, with the exception of one thing that we both found quite interesting. Yeah, they, that's right. <laughs> that's that's you know, it's all about like minor characters in the, <laughs> the world. And that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. But, uh, Thor Ragnarok, um, was shockingly good. So I went, I actually went on Thanksgiving night. I took, uh, I took Tristan and my nephew to go see it. And it was one of those like perfect storm deals where I was just so sick of being in the house sitting around that I wanted to like get in my car and sit in there for a little while and then go and sit in a theater. So I just wanted to sit around somewhere else. So we, uh, we, drew- I would laugh at that, except I heard it yesterday on the happy rant. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that came across as sort of a jerky thing to say. I didn't you intend did. that. No, I love it though. I, I love, I love that. I love that. There's a little bit of discomfort there, and we'll, we'll, we'll actually. Get, man, you know, we're gonna have to write about that in the gut check. You know, guy. man, it's it's tough. I, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, man. We'll get into that. In a but so I drove to this theater to watch the Ragnarok, and uh, I was shocked, Zach, by how good it was. I was shocked by the fact that I wasn't bored at all in it. And I was shocked by the fact that for this one, they actually put actual actors with talent uh, in the movie. So Jeff Goldblum was in it. I don't know how you feel about Jeff Goldblum. I love I Jeff love- Goldblum. He's spectacular. Yeah, dude, that guy's so funny. He's one of the funniest guys to me, man. So uh, Gold- now I'm by myself uh, talking to myself. Uh, that's chaos, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah, no, no, no. I love Jurassic Park. Just show that to the kids, by the way. Um, yeah, so yeah, good. So, so good. Has Cal seen that yet, or is he a little youngster? Yeah, he's seen it. We're we're actually just about to show him Jurassic World, and we're having the debate of uh, sure. kind of whether we should clip out, skip over the part where the nanny gets passed back and forth between like nine pterodactyls that tear her limb from limb. That's <laughs> pretty funny. Dude, though. Yeah, we left it in. We let our boys watch that, but still, yeah, that's that's pretty intense, man. <laughs> Here's a quick question, though, before you yeah. go on. You don't consider Anthony Hopkins to be on par with Jeff Goldblum, actor-wise? He's in the first one. Yeah, he was, but he was in them in a really boring way. Okay. Um, what, oh, oh, so you're saying they'd let Jeff Goldblum be Jeff Goldblum? Dude, they, yes, they. that's it. That's the brilliant thing. So they let Jeff Goldblum be Jeff Goldblum, whereas with Anthony Hopkins, they put him in the movie and they made him be just... Scenery. Scenery. It's just some boring character just so they could say Anthony Hopkins was in this, which... Right, right. You know, is a is a bad thing, but uh, but yeah, they let Goldblum be Goldblum. There was another guy in it that I really like named Mark Ruffalo. Oh yeah, I love him. It's Bruce Banner. Yeah, yeah, Bruce Banner. So my, I've loved that guy since the first time I saw him in this turd called The Last Castle. Did you see that I one? I think I did see that uh, turd. Yeah, Robert Redford is like a four star general, and he's in a military prison. Yes, it was awful. But the moment I saw Ruffalo, I was like, this guy's the next big. Dude, yes, thing. Ruffalo's great. He's so good. He's so good and very natural. He spends a lot of time. So my favorite things about these Marvel-y uh, superhero movies and all the, all that stuff, and I, I don't have a dog in the Marvel DC. I don't even know which is which. I don't care. But uh, <laughs> but my my favorite thing is when they're not in space. Oh yeah, me too. I, I love that when they're not in. They space. They actually spend a good bit of time not in space in this one, which I found. Uh, really? From the previews, it looked like it was space, 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 like there, space gladiators through and there's through. There's a lot of space, and the in the most boring things to me are space gladiator fights. I could care less, but. So they spent some time in Manhattan, <laughs> baby, where you and I spent some time. So, we did. Yeah, the actual places where we walked, like they were they were there too. So I wonder if they like stopped while they were filming and said, guys, just a moment of silence. 
Ted and Zach Ted walked, and Zach here, walked you know? here. You know, it was powerful for them, I think. And Okay, so I never do this, but I've got to break in here just a second because I just saw the movie last night. And while I did like it, and I like the Gold Bloom, and I like the Ruffalo, like the movie is two hours and 22 minutes long, and no more than 10 minutes of it was on Earth uh, at all. Uh, and the stuff that was on Earth was filled with like magic, which in my mind kind of made it seem more spacey than the space stuff. And the space stuff, the other two hours and 12 minutes of this film was not uh, like urban space stuff. It was the like 70s, like the spaciest space stuff. And I don't mean, you know, in like a Hollywood creeper way when I say spaciest, I mean like super psychedelic. Uh, so I think this raises questions that need to be pursued at a later date about Ted's perceptions uh, the way he recalls things, uh, the effects that Turkey has on on his perceptions and his recall, whether Ted was kind of watching a different film in his mind than everyone else was seeing in the theater, etc. Because again, well, the thing that he liked most about it is that he doesn't like movies that are in space. 95% of this movie was in space, and that is fascinating. Okay, let me, I'm going to start this back up, back to the episode. Spent time in Manhattan. My other favorite thing about Thor Ragnarok was that uh, Hulk spent a lot of time just being a person, which is my, <laughs> my my favorite way of like seeing the Hulk. So because when he's a person, your favorite way is not seeing the Hulk, right? Yes, exactly. But when he's when he's uh, when he's being a person, he's being Mark Ruffalo, which is uh, which is a person that I like. So, dude, uh, you know what I loved? Yeah. And this is getting really dorky and I can go I can go like comic book geek all day, but I won't. Yeah. But I loved at the end of Iron Man three yeah. when you find out the entire thing has been uh, basically Tony Stark unburdening himself of all this stuff to Mark Ruffalo, who hasn't been listening. Yeah, no, that's great. That's so great. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a great dynamic, man. Two great actors there. I, I love the Iron Man movies, actually. Oh, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. Of all these kind of dumb you know, comic book movies that they're trying to like capitalize on that. That's been the one that I've, I've consistently enjoyed. Doesn't go to space. Yeah. The, yeah. They spend no time in space. I think that's, and you got Favreau, you got Peter Billingsley involved. I, it's yep. just, it's a uh, winning. Yeah. That's a, a gut check, uh, like friendly check approved, equation. Yeah. Gut yeah. check approved, uh, franchise, but Zach, I think the ultimate gut check approved piece of entertainment might be Die Hard, And, um, as you can well imagine, Die Hard is going to figure, uh, heavily in the new the new book, the uh, the definitive guide to everything by by uh, you and me, Gut Check Press, and um, I, I texted you the other night as we were doing <laughs> our annual holiday viewing of Die Hard. I got a couple of inspired ideas for um, content for the book, and I want to run them by you because I want you to tell me if they're if they're too deep, like if the jokes are too deep for people in our in our army to get. Um, the first idea ha I had was the scene where um, Hans is giving his bogus list of like terrorist demands to um, to the cops. And he, he's referencing Asian Dawn. Do you remember the scene? Asian Dawn? Asian Dawn? And Car yeah, Carl is in the <laughs> office and he kind of mouths Asian Dawn. And then and, and Hans does an amazing phone thing from the 80s. He like he he takes the handset away from his mouth and like covers it up a little bit, and he goes, "I read about it in Time magazine." <laughs> and then I texted you that I want to write the actual Time magazine profile of Asian Dawn. 
you get the byline on this, right? This is I get the be byline like on it, and, and we're gonna lay it out like a real time magazine piece and everything. Little pull out quotes, yeah, little pull out quotes. I'm gonna make an ad for like uh, like a proto uh, like like a Commodore 64 type computer. <laughs> Dude, we're gonna stick we'll, it in there. We'll put in a Commodore 64 ad, some pull out quotes, make it very like 1980s Time magazine ish. And uh, my question to you is: Do you think our people will get that joke? Yes, I don't think that's I don't think that's too meta at all. Um, I, Good. Good. I'm sure that and and uh, you had another wonderful piece yeah. of, of inspiration. Yes, when uh, when when Gail Wallens, the newscaster, is talking about the book Hostage Terrorist, Terrorist Hostage: A Study in Dualities, um, it occur- <laughs> it occurred to me that we should write a review of Hostage Terrorist, Terrorist, Terrorist Hostage. Should we write a review of it or should we write a bunch of Amazon reviews of it? Dude, we should. We should write a bunch of Amazon reviews <laughs> as some of our favorite like people in the in the Oh I, yes. Yes. Like, I'm gonna do a review of hostage terrorist, terrorist hostage as Kahan Man. <laughs> Kahan Man, by the way, who has has gotten his prize in the mail. Oh, okay. I, I yeah. got the the tracking thing told me it arrived. Dude, God um, bless Kahan Man. God bless him. And you know what I just thought of? What? Uh we've got uh Oh, two things that just occurred to me. Too many yeah. things occur to me at once sometimes. I can only say one at a time. One, it's okay. the freaking movie Die Hard came out the year before Dead Poet Society. We were wow. we were separating those more than they are in time, I think. Wow. Like Dead Poet wow. Society was like in the 90s before the 90s. It like had yes. figured out the 90s in the 80s. Yes. Dude, you know what's, <laughs> you know what's crazy? I, I was having this conversation with some students and they absolutely killed me for hating Dead Poet Society. So the majority of my students love that movie. Isn't that Oh, that's millennial friendly, man. That is majorly millennial friendly. Dude, it is. It is. Yeah, it's it's very like, you know, it's about me and my dreams and finding Tell me myself. Knox Overstreet's not a millennial, right? A millennial it, hipster. Knox Overstreet is a total millennial hipster. He's um, wearing that uh, that like little jauntily tossed scarf ironically dude yes jauntily tossed scarf dude tell me todd anderson isn't a millennial the glum sort of mopey one you know here's the thing chet danbury's not a millennial that kind of bully is no longer tolerated yeah no it's, it's there's only thing. other kind of bullies you're allowed to be today that's that's it man yeah there, chet danbury could not exist in in today's environment man that's, that's a, a stand-up guy who will defend his girlfriend yeah. and you know carry the team to states. yeah what a horrible person I, I would never want to know anyone like that <laughs> he's a monster yeah, the other thing that occurred to me was that you know how we started you started yourself a series in the gut check army page uh-huh. which if you're not a member of the gut check army go to gutcheckpress.com and join it's free yeah um and there's there's actually quite a few new things on there. If you haven't looked in a while, go check it out. But you started a series a couple of years ago called If Rachel Held Evans Live Blogged Iconic Action Movies, Part One. <laughs> yeah, nice. And there were like five or six little vignettes. Uh-huh. I wonder if we ought to uh, ramp that back up and yes. you know put maybe 50 of them throughout the book just here and there. I think we should. I think we should. Did we ever have Rachel Held Evans live tweeting Die Hard? Was that a thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let me, we, let me look it up a minute. I think we did Die Hard. We did Top Gun. I remember doing some Top Gun stuff. Um, you know what we should do, Zach? We should have Rachel Held Evans live tweeting Tombstone. <laughs> I, I feel like that would be phenomenal. Unless you already did. Maybe I did. Maybe that's why you think it would be a good idea. Because I did the idea like three years ago. It's uh, if Rachel Held Evans live blog, the iconic. Here it is. Um, volume one. 
Mm-hmm. Die Hard. Oh, it's tweets. It's tweets. It's live tweeting. Live tweeting. Yeah, live tweeting. Proud of at Holly Gennaro for keeping her maiden name, even under pressure from at John McClane. <laughs> hashtag egalitarian. Hashtag Nakatomi building. Hashtag cute toy. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Read me some more. I'm just saying that maybe at Hans Gruber had a point about Nakatomi's history of greed and corruption. <laughs> hashtag it's possible. Hashtag another perspective. Mm. <laughs> I'm a member of at Asian. <laughs> I also read about it in at time magazine. I can't believe Carl hasn't heard of it. Hashtag uninformed. Hashtag great hair. Hashtag missing. Hashtag get woke. That sounds like something she might. Tweet. Oh, dude. Really at Holly Gennaro taking his name back just because he killed a bunch of terrorists, saved everyone in your company, saved the Nakatomi building and saved Christmas. <laughs> Hashtag don't make an emotional decision. Hashtag you are a strong woman. Uh, clearly that one was uh, done more recently when they went to 280 characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a longer tweet. You know, there's also uh, Rocky Four, back to the future and Top Gun because uh, in we were watching Top Gun when we came up with this idea. Mm-hmm. Dude, read me one of each from those movies, if you would. Rocky Four. At Apollo Creed's arrogance at the beginning of the film is typical of the American imperialist mindset. Hashtag embarrassed. (laughs) Back to the future. Really, at Marty McFly? All you want to do is go to the lake and make out with your girlfriend? You're better than that. (laughs) Top Gun. I think at Maverick and at Iceman choosing to be gay pilots is a hashtag <laughs> courageous decision. Hashtag shirtless volleyball. Hashtag obvious sexual tension. And then another one. Update. It turns out they're not gay. Hashtag typical. <laughs> and then Dude, you got yes. say anything. The real hero of this movie is at Lloyd Dobler's sister. <laughs> nice. I do love at Lloyd Dobler's sister and say me too. Yeah. Dude, I just showed Say Anything to Tristan because I had previously shown him Gross Point Blank, and mm-hmm. he's on a big, like, John Cusack kick now. Oh, that's a good kick. Dude, he seems like kind of like his generation's Cusack. Dude, I hope he I hope he becomes his generation's Cusack. I really do. Um, yeah, but he he loved both of those movies, man. He's, he's a huge Cusack guy, so you'll have to talk to him about it when you're, when you're down here. Give her my heart. She gave me a pen. Dude, how does, has our boy had a, uh, and by our boy, I mean your boy, in that he's actually your boy. Um, (laughs) We're not raising him together as courageous men. (laughs) We're partners, but not to that degree. Not in that way. Yeah. We haven't signed over like custody of each other's children to one another. (laughs) (laughs) But has he had his heart like crushed yet by by a girl or has he mostly just been crushing the hearts himself? Dude, he's he's actually working on having his heart crushed right now. There's a girl in his in his high school. So he's a freshman and she's a junior, but she's about to graduate. So she's kind of like a senior. She's wicked smart. And um, I, th- I think he's going to maybe get his heart broken by her, which is mm-hmm. not the worst thing that can happen to a guy, to be honest. I mean, it's it's one of those character building deals. But um, so, yeah, just watching that from like the sidelines, it's it's pretty fascinating. But he's he's. He's pretty coy and cagey himself, so I think he's aware of all the all the dynamics at play. But um, is he going to have a, a kind of Lloyd Dobbsler kind of circling the drain? Uh, I don't moment? know, Dan. I don't know. Yeah, like not having seen him go through that before, I don't know what it's going to look like for him. But but, dude, get this. This is super funny because it's a classical school, and as okay. such, they do they don't do anything modern in any way. They're they're having a dance, but it's like weird, like. Like Jane Austen era, like line dancing. 
Which is benefits of a classical education. Benefits of a classical. <laughs> Man, that's sad, Ted. That's a real sad thing you just told me. Dude, yes, it is. And I'm I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna see it on Friday. I can't wait. <laughs> I'll text you a picture. I wanna see it. I wanna see it. <laughs> is it clean? Is it clean? It is clean though. Like there's it's gonna nothing, be clean. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing remotely erotic about it, which is I'm sure why they why they chose it. But uh yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. He is he is maybe the Lloyd Dobler of his era, so we'll uh, we'll we'll keep tabs on that. I'll give some updates on uh, what's happening with him relationally. But Zach, I want to get to a couple other updates. One having to do with my wardrobe, and one having to do with another creative product that dropped recently. Um, but first, I was the I was the recipient of uh, an old man windbreaker. Um, it's it's brand new. It had the tags on it, and it's a Union University windbreaker. That, uh, that a colleague of mine here, I guess he was cleaning out his closet and he didn't want it. And, and he thought, you know who would look good in this? <laughs> yeah, Ed Cluck. Absolutely. So he, I got a very cryptic text from him the other night. We were in the middle of like our move and this guy texted me and he was like, hey, I found a union windbreaker with the tag still on it. You know, do you want it? And I'm like, man, the last thing I need is more crap in my house because I was moving and just going through that whole thing. <laughs> And, um, but I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, when uh, old man windbreaker, I mean, I'm, I'm there. So, uh, <laughs> he, he brought it to me at church and it's very old man. Like it's, it's like gunmetal gray and there's some, nah, I've seen it. Yeah. yeah I'm going to put a picture up with it. White piping on it and the, the union logo. And I'm going to be wearing that as I shuffle around the, the neighborhood in my orthopedic sneakers. It's going to be great. <laughs> I would suggest pairing it also with the uh, Jerusalem Tours uh, fanny pack and ball cap. Yes, absolutely. Dude, that duffel bag, that Jerusalem Tours duffel bag, though, I use that unironically. Like I put my workout gear in it and I take it to the gym. It's a great duffel. Mine's no good anymore. My shofar stretched it all out. (laughs) Your your shofar ruined it. Baby, that (laughs) reminds me. We need to get a shofar update because you're going to create some new media around your shofar, are you not? Well, I'd been thinking about it. You know, I, I had been putting my shofar, just keeping it uh, in a little kind of tastefully lit <laughs> display case yeah. in my in my study. Yeah. Uh, and then I decided it needed, you know, a more kind of majestic yeah. display option. Yeah. So I bought a couple of those, uh, you know, when you're at Menards or Lowe's or whatever you got in your neck of the woods where there's yeah. like um, little brackets to put under a shelf, oh, yeah. you know, decorative brackets, yeah. 90 degree angle, and then kind of a... Uh, you know, router kind of mm-hmm. etched kind of thing on the end. Mm-hmm. I bought a couple of those yeah. and I cut, you know, the depth with a little rounded uh, groove for the the skinny end and the fat end of the shofar. And then I, I affixed them to the wall, painted them the same color as the wall. Sure. And then I put the uh, the shofar up there. Yeah. And so it's above my door. So I walk under it all the time and, and I admire it. Yeah. But then, Ted, yeah. then I was like, this doesn't, it's not doing it for me. Yeah. So... My secretary in the next room said, you know, I have some gold uh, paint. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's metallic gold acrylic paint. Yeah. And I thought, well, that could punch things up. So I painted just the very front of it gold. Ooh. And uh, I, I sent you a, a picture of the final product. I yeah. sent you and Cliff both one. You were both, I'd say, in awe. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, and I thought maybe I would uh, start a, a Facebook fan page for I my show far. And just, you, you know. And you know what I was reminded of when I saw the picture was the fact that that was the best shofar in Jerusalem and it was totally worth the money. It wasn't you know in Jerusalem. I mean? It was in Bethlehem, dude. Don't jack up the story and make me Bethlehem, look like a Bethlehem. Bethlehem, my bad. It, it was the best. It was the best shofar in Bethlehem in that store. 
Yeah. And compared to the other shofars in Bethlehem in that store, it was worth the money. It was. What I'm saying. It was totally I, worth the money. Unfortunately, we got to Jerusalem 45 minutes later where the economy <laughs> vis-a-vis shofars was different. There's a shofar in every gas station and, and cafe imaginable in uh, in Jerusalem. But you know what? Yours is the best, though, and it, and it got home in one piece. And it does. It deserves a Facebook page where, you know, our listeners and, and people in the Gut Check Army can go and, and just adm- and admire your, your shofar. <laughs> <laughs> why am I laughing right now? What's, what's funny about what I just said? It's just kind of a silly idea, Ted. I think that's why you're laughing and nothing else. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Baby, <laughs> speaking of things that are right and speaking of the word right... <laughs> We are going to be a part of a new writing conference for men. Actually, for all people. I don't want to, I don't see gender. So I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't like those kind of labels. I'm, I'm, I'm post labeling people in that way. But uh, nevertheless, our, our, the name of this new writing conference, which we're, uh, which we're launching with one Cliff Graham. Uh, if, you, if you haven't been to Israel with Cliff Graham, you need to do that. Check out goodbattletours.com. Uh, that was the group with which we... Because all other Israel trips are for ponzies. Exactly, which is a th- not a thing that we'll cut out in post-production. Um, anyway, Zach, we have uh, we have been conceiving uh, a new writing conference called Write Like a Man. And uh, it, it involves Cliff Graham. We're still kind of hammering out details like... Uh, <laughs> we're hammering out details like venue and date. And whether and or not happen. whether or not it will even actually happen. We're on the same page. We are on the same page. <laughs> we're on the same page about it. Here's the thing though, dude. Like Cliff conceived of this a couple of years ago. Yeah. And if it were you or I who would have been like, you know what would be a good idea? Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. I would assume that since it hasn't happened, it was just not gonna happen. It was just like yeah. an idea we said. Yeah. But because it's Cliff Graham and as far as my experience with him goes, he has a hundred percent track record of doing everything he ever says he intends to do. Oh yeah. Cliff's follow through exceptional. Yeah. I remember feeling like the same way about Israel. Oh, I remember talking to you off the ledge, man. Dude, you talked me off the ledge about it. I was like, dude, is this thing really going to happen? Should I even fly like a week and a half before you're like, I don't know about this. It seems too good. And I don't know if yeah, it seems too good to be true. And then once I, I landed, never met the guy, and yeah, yeah. Once I got to New York and like ran into Cliff in the lobby of this hotel in Queens, I was like, okay, this is a thing. This is real. And um, I think, <laughs> what, what did you think was like worst case scenario? Like it was going to be like a a, a drop in uh, full of hipsters with you know, what is it called, Ted? A pop up. Yeah, it's going to be a pop. I said a drop in. A drop in. Should be a drop in. Drop in should be the word. It was going to be like a thing where like some guys just like take your wallets and they're like, yeah, there's no Israel trip. Yeah. Give me your money. Dude. Yeah. No, I, I, I remember saying these exact words to KK. I, I remember saying, quote, if it doesn't happen, at least we'll get a couple of days in New York. Like it'll still be a New York trip. You know, Cause you were flying to New York. Um, you had the tickets in hand. So that would happen. Yeah. yeah we we um, knew bare minimum New York would happen, which would be cool. But, uh, <laughs> But no, then, as it turns out, Israel happened, which was amazing. I think about Israel four to ten times a day still, and it was half a year ago. I probably do too. Right like a man, um, it will include uh, amazing talks on fiction, creative nonfiction, screenwriting, uh, kind of all the creative um, you know, wheelhouses of you, Cliff, and myself. So uh, I can't wait to do this, man. This is going to be a blast. Um, speaking of creative things, there was something that occurred on my other podcast that you wanted to talk about, wasn't there? 
Uh, well, you know, <laughs> it seems to me that uh, Ronnie Martin has come out with a Christmas album. Okay. Wow. Oh, okay. I was wondering if you've gotten a chance to hear it yet, because I haven't. You know, man, it's... I haven't. I, 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 you know, it's tough, man. I, I, I haven't heard it yet. Um, and you haven't, you haven't listened you know, to it yet. I wonder if there's gee, a way that we can... I don't know, man. Like, you know, man... <laughs> I wonder if there's a way that we could listen to a few seconds of it now in our respective studios and kind of weigh in in real time on the program. Um, hey, by the way, yeah. uh, every year my my house yeah. is filled with the sounds of Ronnie Martin Christmas music uh, in the form of uh, I have uh, both. Remember Tooth and Nail records? Of yeah, course sure. you do. Yeah. In the 90s, they came out with these things called Happy Christmas. And I have volume one and two, okay. which are spectacular. Yeah. You know, like MXPX and. Uh, you know, all these different bands doing these, this really 90s, 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 you know, pop punk and stuff, versions of songs. Yeah. And uh, one of them is an original by Ronnie Martin. Mm-hmm. And when it comes on, my wife always gives me the same look. Yeah. That says, I hate this so much. Can we change the the channel? That's the uh, that's what the look says. Yeah. And, and honestly, Ted, I don't hate it. It, it actually I I knew a lot of, well, let's just say this way. I knew a lot of girls in the mid nineties that like, uh, you know, the drum machine joy sound of, of joy electric. Yeah. And, uh, I, I went to a couple concerts. Like I was in the same room with Ronnie Martin six times before I met him at your house Were you really? years ago. Dude. I, oh yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I actually had no idea about that. Huh? So I actually kind of like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like even when we bring up like the, uh, uh, Burgundy Years yeah. video yeah. and try to endure watching the video, sure. you know, like like we're reading a Rachel Held Evans tweet. Yeah. I'm still sort of tapping my toe to the to the music yeah, sure. and kind of like the the vibe. I can't I can't help it. It's okay. It. That's good. I, I I know you don't, it, it, and I wouldn't expect you to because Ted. No, I actually you've got to have. I actually really yeah? like some of Ronnie's stuff, man. And in fact, there there are two tracks that he did with like a he had a side project, like a side band called. Um, Oh, Foxglove Hunt that that I really, really liked. They did an album. It, it, it sounds a lot like a lot of the 80s pop that I like. Um, and we're going to actually use a couple of Foxglove Hunt tracks in uh, in Silverdome. So really? Yeah. So I'm on board. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Are you using any couch tracks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're... Oh, no. They're bulldozing down my studio. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, did you like the, <laughs> did you like the text I sent you from play practice? Which <laughs> yeah, had very a, funny. A quote from Couch. Oh no, I've got play practice today. Oh no. <laughs> only only that's not really the words, Ted. Yeah, it's swim practice, right? No, no, no. There's there's nothing about play practice or swim practice. It's it's much more melodramatic. Uh-huh. It says like uh, something's bringing me down. Uh-huh. Oh no, no neurons in my brain decay. You know, there's all this like stuff like you're you're like on 24 hour missile watch yeah. while your wife's having a baby. But the reality behind it is that the most stressful thing going on was uh, swim practice and and play practice on the same Saturday. Oh no. <laughs> I don't see any music by one Ronnie Martin. What's the name? Is this under a different? Yeah. I'm, I'm is this under Joy Electric? It's by a, uh, a another side project he has called Said Fantasy, 
which they actually put out a little uh, a little EP a few years ago that I that I really like too. But dude, I'm getting a call from the provost's office. Should I take it on the air? Take the take the call on the air. Let's hear what the provost okay. has to say. Here we go. This is Ted. Hey, John. I'm good. How are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think the story when, when we conceived it or when, at least when I was, you know, in discussions with the writers about it was more about like just an update on, on the department and what's going on with Dan. And, um, I didn't realize they were taking it more in a, like, who's the next chair going to be direction, but I think Ted might be in trouble for something his school newspaper has published. I think that's what's happening right now. That's a lot of silence. That means that Ted's probably getting chewed out by the provost right now. Let's listen. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know what a provost really is. What do they do? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I also don't know what an ombudsman is, but I like that word. Ombudsman. It's a good word. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ted sounds different when he's talking to people in his right, world. right, right, right. Well, if you're if you're not comfortable with it, then you know my I'm, my initial impulse would be this certainly isn't a story that we have to do. I mean, Ted's bending to the will of the man. Uh, have to about a story like that. So Ted is one of the uh, lesser characters in in poet society. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's, that's an easy one to, to kill. Ted wouldn't and have we, waved at uh, uh, Robin Williams. As so I'm glad you called and I'm glad, I'm glad you ran it by me because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't aware that that was the going to be the vibe anyway. And I always get to see these things before they get published. So it would, it would have gotten caught in editing anyway, Ted's but, in the man's uh, pocket. but better to catch it now and, and save the writer, the work. That would be a great story. I bet it's not that great right. of a story. No, that's good. Okay, so are you there? I'm here, man. I was giving kind of like uh like golf putting green like Yeah, whisper. you were and I, I muted you from that because Oh you could you um, still had your headphones in? Yeah, yeah. I could oh. uh yeah Oh so I, sorry. Yeah, no 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 I, I muted you and uh and that's fine. <laughs> but uh, so I'll I'll catch that when I listen to the episode, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems to me that uh Ted, if you were Teaching at, uh, what's the name of that uh, prep school in Dead Poets Society? Uh, dude, I don't remember. I wish I did. Uh, Newberry Prep. Newberry uh, Prep. Danbury Prep. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you probably would not have waved at Keating as he left in <laughs> disgrace. Like, you would have been like, oh, the provost doesn't want me to, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was <laughs> that was me kind of getting in trouble for uh, for an article, but it's it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, Dude, you know what though? If if I were the provost, mm -hmm. I would keep a tight clamp on that kind of thing too. That's all I'm saying. Well, well, there you go, man. You'd make a great provost then. Uh, What's a provost? The provost is actually, and we may have to cut this out. I don't know. I'll probably get paranoid about this, and I and I also have to go in like I'm two just minutes. Asking what a provost is in general—that shouldn't be a controversial question. Well, now I'm paranoid though, and um, you know, being paranoid is is kind of part of being a professor, but, uh, the provost is actually, think of it this way, Zach, it's like being the president of the college, but without all the fun stuff. So the president gets okay. to like open new buildings and like do the thing where they dig like a, 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 
you know, a scoop of, of dirt out of the ground when they open a new build, when they break ground and uh, you get to like kiss the babies and shake the hands and do all the fun stuff as the president. The provost has to do all the like hard academic I think the stuff. president also has to do um, like a crap ton of grueling uh, fundraising at a private institution though, right? Like yeah, it's a hard oh, yeah. job. That's not to imply that the president's job is all, is all easy. He has a lot of hard stuff to do too, but yeah, the provost has to like run the show, you know, the academic side of things. And uh, basically the provost is the vice principal. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The provost is, is kind of like the vice principal. Um, in Dead Poets Society, the provost, the provost would have been one of those kind of grizzled, you know, bulbous nosed, but super respectable dudes that, that we kind of celebrated in our last episode. Yeah. Those are our people. Those are our people. Absolutely. So. There's one thing I wish they wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And it involves uh, smacking boys on the bottom with a paddle. Yeah, you know what? In uh, in retrospect, did were were they above reproach in every way? No, they weren't. You know, were they perfect? They weren't. Uh, mostly though, they were a product of their time, and it was a pretty awesome time. Yeah, and it was a time sometime between 1942 and 1980. We couldn't quite pin that down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a time when desk sets were wrapped in cellophane mm, and. Yeah. You know, cars from the 30s were still driven by rich people. Yes. Uh, yeah, we couldn't. It was <laughs> it was the cellophane desk set era, which, I mean, who doesn't look back on that fondly, you know? I think there might have been like one of those stand-up arcade games of Pac-Man in like the rec hall at the, the dormitory. Absolutely. <laughs> they just mixed. Hard to pin they down. They just mixed eras. I love it. I'm pretty sure that uh, Robin Williams did like uh, an impression of like, he did, like uh, Bill you know, Michael Cosby Keaton in that, in in the- that little vignette. <laughs> it's a Cosby sweater. <laughs> oh, Ted. So it, it sounds to me like we don't have time once again to uh, continue uh, Gut Check Literacy Month Mach Two uh, because we've we've twittered away. Uh, our As our time on, on other we things. have we have we've we've just got too much to cover on this program maybe we'll have to tape another episode next week baby well we were hoping to get to 100 episodes at the same time that we want to launch this book mm-hmm. and i think that's a pretty realistic timeline yeah. if we you know start doing two to three a yeah. month uh, for us to get all the writing and all the stuff yeah. done uh, that we'll need to for this yeah. book yeah uh, and I, I want people to be excited about uh the gut check the definitive guide to everything. Yes, the definitive guide. Assuming there's not already a book called that. Let mm, me check. I hope not. Guide to everything. I was already on Amazon where you cannot find any more than one song by said fantasy. Mm. Uh, the definitive guide to prostate cancer is the first mm. thing that comes up. And then like the world's saddest looking little self-published, mm. the definitive guide to everything from 2012, which is no concern whatsoever to no. us. So yes, it, that's what I'm it is. I'm a little worried about that prostate book, but you know what? Prostate book, we're gunning for you too. We're coming <laughs> No out. one's going to even be able to find you, even if they need you when we're done. You know what? We're going to put a prostate section in our book. It's going <laughs> to be way better. Baby, with that, I have to sign off. I have to, uh, All right, have to man. run to another thing, but uh, we, have, uh, we, have, <laughs> we, we have wandered to and far throughout this program and we will see you next time Thank you.